Welcome to Marksman, a program for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. Hey, I'm glad you're part of the program today. My name is Mark Spellman. I'm your host, and it's just going to be you and I today. I know from time to time we're blessed to have guests on this program joining the conversation, but I'm also privileged and excited just to have these conversations with you because I do believe that aiming our lives at Christ-likeness is a powerful thing to talk about, and it's something that we really can probably never plumb the depths of, um, nor reach the summit of. You know, it's not about a destination, it's about a journey. And because of where we're at in different seasons of our life, Christ being formed in us is something that's going to look different Um, It's always the same goal. It's always the same mark. It's always the same bullseye and target. But what we're working through is going to be different based on the season of our life. If we're single, I might be uh, several of you, I'm sure, are single. Um, You've not found your spouse, depending on your age, might not even be appropriate because, uh, you know, it's just it's just a season of life where you pursue marriage. And then once you have found your spouse, you know, then uh, making a decision to begin uh, having children. These are different seasons of life. And then, of course, you have uh, different scenarios. You have people that have went through the pain and the agony and the hurt of divorce. I mean, there's a reason God says he hates divorce. It's because it's so painful. It's because it's it's tearing two hearts that never thought they would be torn apart. And I don't say that to produce or cast any shame or guilt or or condemnation because none of those things are in Christ. And Christ doesn't come at us from those places. John chapter 3 clearly says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. He came into the world to save it, that through him we would be saved. So no matter what our relationships look like, no matter what our marriage looks like, no matter what our life looks like, no matter what our finances look like, no matter what our vocation and whether we're fulfilled in our vocation or we're frustrated in our vocation, whether we're uh, walking in abundance or we're facing great lack and financial challenges. Maybe someone listening has been through the pain of bankruptcy. I mean, these are real things, and these are things not to produce condemnation, guilt, and shame. Just know that when we aim our life at Christ-likeness, He's going to bring us to a place of healing. He's going to bring us to a place of wholeness. And we're going to learn from all the circumstances we've been through, even the painful ones, even the difficult ones, even the trials and the tests and the temptations, maybe the ones we didn't succeed in. Maybe we crashed and burned, so to speak, in in certain arenas of life. That doesn't mean that out of the ashes can't come forth a glorious testimony for Jesus Christ, who is a redeemer. He truly is a savior. He's a deliverer, but he's also the example of what a man looks like when he stays and remains in the love of God. You know, the first Adam did not remain 
the last Adam, Jesus Christ, remained. Now, we've been on a series here, and I I don't want to get too far into just, you know, those comments, but those were things just in my spirit that I wanted to share with you. You know, so no matter whether you're a follower of Christ or whether you're just kind of searching right now, you're welcome to be a part of this program. Hope you'll tune in for the rest of today's conversation, because this is what Christianity is all about. It's about aiming our life at Christ's likeness, no matter where we're at in life, no matter what season we're at in life, we must keep Christ's likeness as the goal, as the objective, uh, as the French would say, as the boot. <laughs> it means it's the goal. It's like in soccer or football, they call it. It's hitting the net. It's hitting the goal. And that's something that we want to make sure that we aim at Every day in our marriage, in our home, at work, at play, on vacation, no matter what the season is in the week or the day or the year or the month, Christ likeness. So we've been in Hebrews 11. We've been learning from different men. Hebrews 11 is called the Great Hall of Fame, where faith is concerned, because in this chapter, God commends several men and women. There's women mentioned But we're particularly focusing here on marksmen, on the men, because I do believe it's it's time that we have some very uh, transparent conversation and we learn. You know, I'm thankful that the Bible, when we talk about these men, thankfully we don't have like a social media Bible. We don't have just a social media, a Facebook Bible where we only get the highlight reel. We only get the times where we're shining. We, we, in other words, the Bible gives us when we get back into the book of Genesis, Exodus, First Kings, Second Kings, First Samuel, Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles, different places where Hebrews eleven highlights the victories, where God says by faith. They did this by faith. They did that. It's not like there's no record of any failure. There's no record of wrong decisions. These men didn't make every right decision yet. Redemption, redemption came to pass in their life and God's plan. God's plan was fulfilled and Christ came and Christ has saved us and Christ has ultimately given us the example of what a man looks like when he remains in the love of God. Again, the first Adam did not remain, but John 15 verse 10, Jesus said, I have remained in my father's love. And so we can remain. But in Hebrews 11, we've been talking about Abraham. We've had a already had a previous episode on this. If you missed it, just go back, find the previous marksman, and you'll get uh, part one, part two. Now we're on part three. And uh, there's just a lot to say about Abraham because God chose Abraham for a specific reason. Genesis 18, 19 says, For I know him that he will command, that means he will lead in his home, that they keep the way of the Lord, and that therefore I will be able to bring upon him the promise that I have made him. So here we are in Hebrews 11, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he would afterward receive for an inheritance, he obeyed 
So a godly man, a man who's aimed his life at Christ's likeness, a man who's going to follow the faith of our father Abraham, there's going to be some obedience. There's going to be obedience to the command of God. There's going to be obedience to the boundaries of God. There's going to be obedience to the Holy Spirit that we have been blessed to receive. Romans 5, 5 says the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God in our heart. And uh, we, are, we are so blessed. We are so graced with not only the presence of God, the love of God, but the mighty Holy Spirit of God. So obedience, he obeyed, he went out, and he didn't even know where he was going. So there's an adventure to this walk of faith. There's an adventure to following God, because sometimes God will give us directions and instructions, and he won't lay out the next 10 steps. He's just going to give you the next step, and you don't even know the second. You don't even know the third, but we have to be willing to, by faith, take that first step, like Abraham, sometimes, many times, not knowing the next steps to come. Now, it doesn't mean God's not a planner. I want to say this. It doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. He's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants. And and when we take that step, he'll try to figure something out for us to do next. No, God has a plan. But what is going on here is that sometimes he doesn't tell us the whole plan. Now, he has a plan. I mean, you look at creation. Look at how creation has been affected by sin, by the fall, by the curse. And you look at the planet, you look at all of the the nature and the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. And then you look up into the stars and you, you do just a little bit of study in the solar systems and the galaxies and the universe. You can clearly see even with the effect of sin and the fall and the curse this world has an amazing uh, uh, path to it. There's systems that depend on one another that are intricately related, interdependent systems in the plant kingdom, in the animal kingdom, and then in God's creation of man and humanity. I mean, these systems, solar systems, I mean, even with all the curse and the fall and the sin that affected his creation, it still holds together quite well. So God has a plan. God has systems. God has a way. Remember, the reason he chose Abraham, Genesis 18, 19, because Abraham would hold to the way. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, those who seek first the kingdom of God, Amplified says God's way of doing and being right. So there's a way to do life. There's a way to do family. There's a way to go to work. There's a way to do life. There's a way to go on vacation. There's I mean, some people go on vacation, then they need to come back and have a vacation from their vacation because the vacation produced strife. It produced stress. It produced worry. So there's even a way to do vacation, right? So there's just a way to do life. And there's a way to do life with God. There's a way to do life in Christ. And that's what we're digging into. So by faith, Abraham obeyed. Even though he didn't know the whole plan, he was willing to trust God with that step. And that's what it's all about. Even if you don't get the whole plan, doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan, but it does mean he wants us to trust him.
So by faith, verse 9, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange place, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. Now, we haven't even in our study got to the birth of Isaac yet. But here in Hebrews 11, he's just high, highlighting, he's he's recapping the life of Abraham, that basically his sons and his grandson came into this life of faith, and they learned how to trust God. They learned how to walk with God. They learned the way of the Lord with their father, with their grandfather. How many times in Scripture is God called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it goes on in verse 10, For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then verse 11 and 12 talks about Sarah, how she had to get into faith too, how she conceived a child, that was Isaac, brought forth a son. She judged God faithful who had promised. Therefore there sprang even out of that one man, Isaac, and him, or excuse me, Abraham, that one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as many as the sand by the seashore innumerable. So here's God's promise coming to pass. We're looking back on it. We can see the fulfillment of it. But what we're digging into in this program is we're getting into the trenches with Abraham where it's not yet fully manifest. It's not yet fully developed. So what does our faith look like? What does trust look like day by day? Well, it looks like aiming your life at Christ's likeness, following Jesus, following his example, because all of these men were looking to a day that we've thankfully can look back to a day when Christ would come. Because ultimately in Genesis 22, when Abraham and Isaac obey God on Mount Moriah, and Abraham by faith offers Isaac his son as a sacrifice, not just a sacrifice, a burnt offering, by faith he is he is willing to obey that. God steps in and says, no, Abraham, you don't have to do this. Now I know that you trust me. I'm going to bring this promise to pass, and your seed is going to be as numerable as the stars. Your seed is going to be as numerable as the sand on the shore, because Abraham and Isaac were willing to obey and trust God's instruction. And that's what the Bible is. It's God's instruction book. And so as men of God, if we're going to aim our life at Christ's likeness, if we're going to follow the faith of Abraham, if we're going to follow the faith of Noah, if we're going to follow the faith of Enoch and Abel and others we're going to talk about in Hebrews 11, basically you boil it down to this, we learn to trust God's instruction. And as we would say it, we learn to trust God's instruction book, his instruction manual, which is the Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. My father-in-law used to teach me that. (laughs) He loved to share that with people. So here is Abraham. So let's go now um, back to the book of Genesis, and let's go where we left off last time in our conversation back to Genesis 15. And let's just see what we can learn, because again, we can look back on the fulfillment and we can be inspired. We can say, yeah, God's faithful. Yeah, God did it. But there's something we can learn getting into the trenches where believing God is very daily. (laughs) I mean, if you took the times that God appeared to Abraham, 
there were years, not days, not weeks, not months, years in between those visitations, years in between. So what did he do daily? If his visitation has years in between the next visitation, then what is Abraham doing daily? Because how many know the, the real key to our success is in our daily routine, our daily habits, our daily activity, our daily thoughts, our daily attitudes. It's the things that we do daily that unlock our future or lock it down and shut it off or cut it short. So we have to pay attention to the daily things. So here we see Abraham in Genesis 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now here it's important. This is still Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. He's going he's gonna to here real shortly get his name changed to Abraham. And that Hum, that ruach, that's the, God's going to put his breath, God's going to put himself into Abraham, just like he's put Christ into us. I mean, we call ourselves Christian, and sometimes that phrase gets just like overcooked. It, it just becomes so benign that we don't catch the impact of how privileged we are to even be Christ ones, Christians, just like Abram became Abraham. He had the breath of God. But notice the struggle here in Genesis 15. He has a promise from God. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm going to make your name great. And he said, in you, this is back in Genesis 12, he said, in you, I'm going to make every nation blessed. Every nation will be blessed by you. So he has this promise and he's, he sees the stars and he sees the sand, but he doesn't even have a child yet. And not only does he not have a child, he's lived a long time with his wife and she was never able to give him children. So you'd say she was barren. Her womb was shut and that was you know, in that day, especially, and it still is today, that can be a a real painful situation for a married couple if the womb is not bringing forth children, especially when the parents want children. And not only did Abraham and Sarah probably want children their whole life and were dealing with the rejection and the sadness and the hurt of not having children, then they have God show up in their life and say, oh, you're going to have children. And it's almost like he showed up too late because now they're beyond the years of having children. (laughs) I just think sometimes God likes to have fun with us when the natural, it just seems impossible. Or it seems like God's like out of step with our life because like he should have showed up back when they could have children. But no, he waits till she's like 90 and he's like 80. Um, I mean, they're way beyond childbearing years. And then he shows up and touches a sensitive issue of children and gives them a hope that you're going to have a child. And sometimes, let me touch this issue, sometimes we don't want to receive a promise from God because we've had so much disappointment in our life. We've had so much discouragement of our life. Don't give me a prophecy about owning my own business. I just went through bankruptcy. Don't give me a promise that I'm 
I'm called of God, I'm anointed by God, and God has a plan for my life when my life looks like a train wreck. Sometimes we don't want that promise. We don't want that hope because we've faced so much discouragement. And I'm sure Abraham and Sarah had discouragement. They had rejection. They had feelings just like you and I do. And then here God shows up late in life, what appears to be late. And he says, you're going to have children and you're going to have so many children that if you can count the stars, you can count your children. If you can count the sand on the shore, you can count your children. And I know I'm belaboring this, but I'm telling you, this is where the rubber meets the road. Is God able to make his word come to pass? We have a Bible full of prophecy and prophecy. I love to describe it this way. It's nothing more than history written in advance. God is Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end. And if he makes a promise, it doesn't matter when that promise comes to us. He is able to bring it to pass. And so here in Genesis 15, the word of the Lord came to him, verse 1, in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, what are you going to give me? (laughs) He just jumps right in. I'm still childless. (laughs) Now, he's he's not accusing God, but he's having a conversation. And that's one thing this podcast and all the Family Mission podcasts are about, is we're trying to provoke in a good way conversation with God. Now, conversation that's not accusatory, because I mean, that's not a conversation. It's not going to be wise for any of us to sit at the table and just accuse God. You know, but here's the issue. Abraham's bringing up the obvious. He's not like acting like nothing's wrong. He's got this promise, yet he's telling Abram's telling God, he said, I'm still childless. The steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, no one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be your heir. So basically what Abram was kind of presenting to God was he was trying to kind of broker a deal. It's like, Okay, God, I got your promise. How about Eleazar? And and basically, you could say, who's Eleazar? In in modern terms, we could say that was his chief of staff. It was somebody born in his house. He was over, because by this time, Abraham, if you read verse um, Hebrews, I'm sorry, Genesis 13, verse 2, Abram was very rich in cattle, in cattle, in silver, and in gold. That's Genesis 13, 2. Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. So Eleazar is basically his chief of staff. He's over his uh, operation. He's his chief executive officer, you might say, of all of his operations. And so he's thinking, well, maybe I can leave my inheritance to him. Maybe you'll, you'll bless Eleazar because obviously you've not given me a child. And God is saying no. I don't need your help. And Eleazar is not the one I was talking about. Verse 4, again, Abram brings this up, Genesis 15, 4. Um, God says, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth again. He said, now again, look towards heaven, Abram. 
This is Genesis 15, 5. Look again towards Hebron, heaven and tell, can you tell the stars? Can you count them? If you're able to number them, then he said, so shall your seed be. So God's not backing down. Abram thinks he's got God in a corner. He's somehow caught God in a mistake. <laughs> I know that sounds ludicrous, but I'm telling you, that's that's emotionally what's happening here. Abram can't see how this is going to come to pass. So he's struggling to reconcile this great promise. And he's offering Eleazar as kind of like a token to God. Say, so God, maybe you could use him. And God says, no, no. Nope. The one born out of your bowels is going to be your seed. (laughs) And so God didn't back down. He said, no, I didn't make a mistake. And God says, no, it's not too late. Boy, I hope you're hearing the spirit of God today. He's encouraging us. I don't know what promises you're you've you've heard from the Bible. I don't know what promises you're standing on right now, but let all of them come alive in this context that it's not too late. It doesn't matter. See, we just have his example here, but his example could be overlaid on any one of our lives where we think somehow it's too late or circumstances are just too wrong or, and then we sometimes offer other options. Well, God, maybe you meant this, maybe you meant that. And God said, no, I meant what I meant. I said what I said, my promise to you is, is faithful. And so now in verse 6, Genesis 15, 6, and so he believed. Praise God. Praise God. He believed. You know, we all have a believer. And sometimes people say, well, I, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, you're going to believe something because we're made to believe. We're made to believe. And the warfare in our life is over what we're going to believe and over who we're going to believe. So the enemy of our soul He knows we have a believer. We just got to make sure we keep our speaker hooked up to our believer and our believer hooked up to the word of God and the promise of God and the character of God and the faithfulness of God. Because it's easy to let our believer go to another place because regardless, we're going to believe something. And so it's not a matter of if we're going to believe. We're going to believe. But we got to make sure we put that faith, that trust it's, it's important that we hook our believer up to the Bible, to the Word of God, to the nature of God, to the character of God, to the holiness of God, to the righteousness of God, to the perfection of who He is. So here it says, verse 6, Genesis fifteen six, He, Abram, believed God in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, this verse right here is actually quoted over excuse me over in Romans chapter 4. And so let's just go there because again this is not something we're not just getting a history lesson today. We're applying to what Abram was going through in the trenches to what we go through in the trenches. And therefore in Romans chapter 4 it says um verse 19 we'll pick it up or verse 18 Romans 4.18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken or promised, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body now dead, in other words, beyond the age of bearing, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
because she had been barren her whole life. He did not stagger at the promise of God. Now, we did see him staggering here. But here's the thing. You can go out of unbelief and you can go towards belief. You can go out of. See, when he holds Abraham up in Hebrews 11, it wasn't because Abram never had to face fear or doubt or questions. It's just that when he did, he brought those fears. He brought those questions. He brought them to God in conversation and he allowed God to calm those fears. He allowed God to reassure him of that promise, to reassure him of the power he had to perform what he promised. And so here we see the end result not being weak in faith. He did not consider his body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither did the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. And notice this gives glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's what we just read in Genesis fifteen six. He believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So it was therefore, verse 22 of Romans 4, it was imputed to him for righteousness, but it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed, but for us also. So men take hold of that. What we're looking at in Genesis 15 is for us. It's for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised from the death, from dead, from the death or from death. Let me get that right. For our justification. Praise God. This is so powerful. So back to Genesis 15, because we got some more stuff to sort out in the trenches with Abraham, because this is so awesome. Because again, there's a daily walk of faith. There's a daily walk of trust. There's a daily walk of keeping our focus on Christ and his faithfulness and his example. And these men out of Hebrews 11 are great supplements to our faith. It's kind of like, you know, you can get nutrition from food directly or you can get a boost from supplements. You know, we take supplements as a family, different vitamins. Well, these lives, I mean, the purest nutrition for your life is Jesus Christ. That's the purest nutrition for your life. Jesus is perfect theology. I've heard it said that way. I love that. Jesus is perfect theology. So his life, his life alone is the perfect example of what being a man is. A man who's remaining in the love of God. And that's why we aim our lives at Christ likeness. And that's why Romans 8, 29 says we're predestined to be conformed to that image of Christ. Yet these other men like Abraham, Moses, Joseph, uh, Isaac, uh, David, different ones. These are great supplements. Do you, do you get the perspective there? We're looking at these not as the ultimate example, because Jesus is the ultimate example, but Abraham and others like him are tremendous supplements to our faith that boost our faith, that get into the trenches of life, and we can see how they came through, how they came out, how God led them, how God stuck with them, and how they stuck with God. So back to Genesis 15, we'll kind of work towards a wrap-up in today's conversation. I think we're going to have to have part 
four of Abraham. I mean, you look at Hebrews 11. I mean, he's he has a lot of verses in Hebrews 11, so we can't can't rush through this. But um, notice he he has had God uh, tell him that no, Eleazar is not the one that I'm going to bless you with. I'm going to give you a child from your own loins. And so he believed, verse 6 of Genesis 15, and he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So he still has questions. See, sometimes in our walk of faith, we're going to have questions, and questions are okay. Just as long as those questions don't turn into an accusation against God. Notice how that went with Job. If you read the book of Job, you'll find out how that works out. It's okay to have questions, but let God answer them. It's okay to have questions, but let the Bible answer them. Don't let life answer it. Don't let the opinion of other people answer it. Don't let your feelings or your emotions answer it. Don't let how it's been in the past answer it. Let the Bible answer it. Let Jesus Christ answer it. Let the Word of God answer it. Let Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, let Him answer answer your questions. So I love this. The Bible gives us the fact that there's permission to have questions because God has answers. So he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said, take me a heifer of three years old, a she goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, turtle dove, young pigeon. And he took unto him these, he divided them in the midst and he laid them in the midst together. And, uh, but the birds, of course, he didn't divide. And when the fowls came to come upon these carcasses, Abram drove them away. What's happening here? Covenant. God is going to make a blood covenant with Abram. And it's, this covenant is going to be the end of all arguments. And Hebrews talks about that. Hebrews talks about how shall we know? Because God says, I will swear by myself. God made covenant with Abram. And God made covenant with us through Jesus Christ. And this covenant language is supposed to put an end to all the arguments, all the fears, all the worries. Because what we read about in Romans 4 where Abraham finally got to the place that he staggered not. He finally got to the place he was fully persuaded. He finally got to the place where he said, basically like Mary, just be it unto me according to your word. He settled into a place of rest and assurance and faith. Where did that happen? It happened after covenant. God made covenant with Abram. God made a blood covenant with Abram. And that's what happened through the cross of Jesus Christ. God made a blood covenant with basically with himself (laughs) for our benefit. And then he brought us into that covenant. And so here's what happened when the sun went down, Genesis 15, 12, when the sun was gone down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, a horror of great darkness fell. I mean, the fear of God came upon him. And he said unto Abram, know of a surety that your seed... He's, he's, man, God's not backing down. You're going to have a seed, Abram. Your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them for. He's 
prophesying to Abram. Abram doesn't even have a child, and God is speaking hundreds of years into the future and saying they're going to go into a land, a land that is not theirs. He's talking about Egypt, where Israel was afflicted in the land of Egypt, and God had to bring them out through Moses. He's prophesying about that right here. God, God loves to give us the history in advance. That's prophecy. And he says, also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge. That's Egypt. And afterward, they will come out with great substance. And you shall go out to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And in the fourth generation, they shall come to hither again, come back to this region of Canaan. And for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full, and it shall come to pass that when the sun went down, Excuse me, it, it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace. I <laughs> feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, a smoking furnace, a smoking lamp. There was a fire. Remember when the children of Israel were led by fire by day and a cloud by night? God came down. God came down upon this covenant this blood that was shed, these innocent animals, their carcasses laid open. And, and Abram kept the fowls of the air, the vultures basically, from coming down and eating up the, the meat and the carcass. He protected it. Now at sundown, God comes down in a burning lamp and he passed. He literally walked between the halves of the carcasses. He walked in the blood. And in the same day, the Lord made covenant with Abram, saying, in other words, he, he said, I am, I am not just promising you, I'm promising you in blood, blood covenant talk, blood covenant language, unto you and your seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto this great river, the river Euphrates. And so he talked about the, the borders of the, of the promised land. So as we wrap up today's conversation here on Marksman, let's, let's take that same promise from God. I mean, he, got, he, he, he allowed Abram to have questions, but he said, listen, Abram, I'm going to have to move you out of this realm of questions. You're going to have to stop questioning me. You're going to have to trust me. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a blood covenant that I'm going to swear to you in blood that I'm going to make my promise come to pass. And you are going to have a son out of your bowels, you and Sarah, and I'm going to make your heritage, your family so numerable that if you can count the stars, you can count your offspring. If you can count the sand, you can count your offspring. And this experience, this revelation that Abram had with God in covenant settled his heart, calmed his fears, removed his fears and worries and it can be the same way when we allow the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed on Calvary, that Romans chapter 8, if God didn't withhold his only begotten son, he's not going to withhold anything good that you need. Let me pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. You didn't withhold Jesus. You didn't withhold your only begotten son. This is which Abraham and Isaac was all foretelling what you would do on Calvary, what you would do through Jesus Christ and through his blood and the blood that was shed on that 
cross. It was an altar. It was a covenant you were making with yourself. And then you invited us into that covenant with Jesus through our faith in him. And right now I join with men listening to this podcast and our faith is in you, Jesus. Our faith is in you, God, through Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. And I thank you, God, that you have made covenant promise in your word and the Bible is full of promise. And we say in Christ, all those promises are yes and amen. So promises of provision, promises of protection, promises of wisdom, promises you've made to every man listening to this podcast. I thank you those promises are backed by blood, not the blood of a heifer, not the blood of pigeons and goats, but the blood of your own son, Jesus Christ. And so I thank you that every promise in him, in Christ, is yes and amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening to the program today. Again, I hope that you'll share this program with your brothers in Christ. Share it with men who are just searching in their heart, trying to discover what is what is Christianity all about. And I tell you, we're just going to look forward to growing together as brothers. Again, share this podcast, share this program, but just know the joy today of keeping your life focused on Jesus Christ focused on his life, his example, the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of Marksman. Thanks for being a part of Family Mission. I'll see you next time.